we're going to continue to talk about sowing and reaping. Um, and uh, I just want to let you know there's probably pledged cards in your seat. Uh, I asked you to keep praying about what God would have you do. Um, um, I've been talking about the staff and about the commitment we're going to make together as a staff and leadership team. Um, but I believe it's possible. Amen? Amen. And, and the, that pledge card will lay out for you if you weren't here last week. Uh, what we need to do as far as a capital campaign, the, the money we need to raise up front to make this happen. And, um, uh, and we believe it is absolutely possible that God has given us what we need here in the house. Amen. And so I'm excited to see what he's going to do through you and how the gospel is going to go forward because of your diligence. And, uh, I'm excited to see how he's going to bless your life. And so uh, let's, let's read a couple scriptures together. Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 7. It says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh they will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for in the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Then, so Paul's talking about sowing and reaping to the, to the Galatians. He says, look, if you sow into the flesh, this is a passing thing. This is, this is not a permanent deal here. You sow into the flesh, you're going to reap destruction. You're going to reap death. That's all that's on this earth. If you buy a nice car today in 15 years, you'd be lucky to get rid of it, right? Nothing stays nice on this earth. And Paul's saying, if you sow into that idea, if that's where your treasure is, if you sow into that, that's what you're going to reap. But he says, if you sow into the Spirit, you're going to reap eternal life. So that's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting verse 6, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Then he goes on verse 7 and 8. He says that you should make up your mind, not under compulsion what you're going to give. But he talks about, the need or the correlation between sowing a little and reaping a little, sowing a lot and reaping a lot. So we tie these two scriptures together. You sow a lot into the flesh. Guess what you're going to reap? A lot of death and destruction. You sow a lot into the spirit. Guess what you're going to reap? A lot of the spirit of God. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning for your word to us. We believe your, your word is, has the infinite ability to change our lives every time we look into it. So we pray that you'd open our eyes to see what you would have for us to see today in Jesus mighty name and everyone said amen and amen all right turn around smile at your neighbor one more time I'll be looking at the back of your head for the rest of service some paranoid people sit in the back because they're afraid of people looking at them you know I'm always got to see everything sowing and reaping um one of the things about sowing and reaping is as we talked last week, there's a season, and, and I want to talk to you today about a season, difficult season maybe. I, I want to make sure, listen, if you've lived any time on this earth, you know that uh, there's seasons of growth and there's seasons of pain and suffering, and, and uh, they come and go. Amen? And, and there doesn't seem to really be a lot of rhyme or reason, except uh, I'm going to hope to make a little bit of sense out of it for you uh, here in the time we have together. But I started uh, making it a point to, to notice some things about, I, I have friends of mine that see opportunities in everything. You ever been around anybody like that? 
you, you can be, you're, you're, you know, they can see a deal anywhere. And, and, um, and so I, I've got some friends of mine that can, that can see something somebody else is going to throw away and they can take it and, and use it and make something amazing out of it. And I'm going, man, I, I would have just said throw it away. And, and they can, they can find a deal, get something for nothing almost and, and, and do something with it. But the issue is, is they're thinking that way in every season of their life. And a lot of times I don't think that way. A lot of times I think, oh, well, I can't do that right now. Uh, you know, well, I can't, I can't help now. So what I start doing is I start hanging around those people more. Because here's what I believe. I believe everybody has the opportunity. Some people just take advantage of it. Right? If the thing's for sale on Craigslist, you have the opportunity. I just realized the other day there's a whole free section on Craigslist. I had no idea. My brother-in-law was over. He said, hey, they're giving away a, a slide-in truck camper. We're planning on a fishing trip in, in September. And, uh, and, and we saw a bunch of these other guys had slide-in truck campers. And so we want one. Right? It was free. We were like two hours short. Somebody else saw the opportunity before we did. Man, I said, get it right now. We'll drive there, pick it up. Uh, it just needed cleaned up a little bit. I thought, we'll be those people with a truck camper. It's awesome. I didn't even know there was a free thing on Craigslist. had no idea because somebody else saw the opportunity, and I was too busy complaining I didn't have something. Oh, there we go already. It's only been three minutes. So uh, I started hanging around people more that can see opportunities that I don't see because I, I want to take advantage of every opportunity God gives me, right? But if my head's stuck in the sand because of my situation, then I fail to see the opportunity. And then what happens is somebody else takes advantage of the opportunity, even if they're in the same or worse situation as me. And then all I do is blame my situation that I never get the opportunity when all it was that they saw it before I did and took advantage, took advantage of it when I wouldn't. So I started hanging around those people more. Now my yard's full of junk. <clears throat> I do have some junk on my back patio. And I have no idea when it will turn into not junk, but someday it will. So you may be sitting here this morning saying, no, I'm not in a season that I can take advantage of anything. And I want to talk to you about that. Um, there are seasons of suffering and Seasons of difficulties in our lives. And, and you may be in one of those right now and, and you come to a church and you hear us talking about building a building that costs a million dollars and, and you're thinking, man, I can't, you know, whatever. And, um, and you might not look at it as an opportunity. You might look at it as a moment to be, to feel bad because you're just not in a season where you can do anything. And, and, and trust me, I've been there and lived there and, uh, put up a PO box and, um, and, you know, difficulty has no, um, it does not discriminate. And so, uh, but I want to speak hope into you. I don't want you to stay in the same mindset or situation you're in right now. I want you to realize that God is using that for his glory and your good. Amen. amen. You don't have to say amen. Uh, just nod your head. Here's the thing. That in order to. So seed, you oftentimes have to have to prepare the ground, right? Uh, but but and all that stuff's difficult. But here's here's the thing: 
If all you want to grow is weeds, you don't have to do anything. You could sit in your living room and turn on Netflix and watch TV till you die. And you can grow weeds as good as anyone else on the planet. You can wake up every morning, sip your coffee, turn on the TV, and look at your wife and go, baby, those weeds are growing. Jeez, man, that... That thorn weed that gets that little flower on top. What's that thing called? A bull, bull thistle. They've never been so pretty this year. <laughs> Look at them. They're just, I mean, they're growing up, growing up fine. You know, a bull thistle get like seven foot tall. You don't even have to try. It doesn't even have to rain for a bull thistle to grow. You know what I'm saying? You just, you just look out your window, sit in your car like, I ain't had to do nothing. Look at that beautiful garden of weeds. The issue is with weeds is they will always occupy more ground than you want them to. You, so you thought if you didn't do anything, they would just occupy the garden that you laid out for them. But the issue is, is we, when we sow into the flesh, which does not take much work, does it? That's our default situation. When we sow into the flesh, it always takes up more space in our lives than we ever planned on it. And it always reaps a lot more destruction than we ever planned on it. So you know what the crazy thing about those bull thistles are? You don't have to do nothing to them. And next year, your whole yard will be full of them, right? You're like, man, this is beautiful wildflowers. You won't even be able to walk out to your car next year. You have to wear a parka in the middle of summertime to get out to your car. Unless you're going to get stuck to death. Bull thistles. They always take up more space than you, than, you, than you really, really anticipated. But, bam, planting a garden takes some work. And one of the things I want to let you know is that it takes work in, in every season of your life. And, and sometimes in the season of suffering, in the season of difficulty, we don't realize that God is actually preparing the soil for a great harvest. We just think it's pointless suffering, Right? But Paul wrote to the Romans and he said this. He said, suffering produces things. They're going to put the scripture up here right now. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces. Somebody say amen about that. God is not in the habit of pointless pain. God is not in the habit of pointless trials. God is not in the habit of pointless suffering. It's not for just no reason. The issue is, is in the middle of our suffering, we assign it pointlessness, and so we miss the opportunity, just like the free Craigslist ad. So what we do is we go through life giving suffering no definition whatsoever, and we just think it's an unfair lot in life when God says, when Paul's writing to the Romans and he says, listen, I figured out in my lifetime that suffering will produce something if I'm willing to let it. Amen? Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know the suffering produces perseverance. All right, watch this. You got weeds in your garden. It starts out that way, right? We were all born into sin. Your baby's not that good. You're like, oh, God, this baby's perfect. No, it isn't. That's a, that's a sinful devil. That's what that is. It just hadn't grown up yet. You wait till that thing's four and starts lying to you. You'll be like, oh, the devil is in that thing. <laughs> I've told this story before. I remember my oldest daughter first lied to me. I thought she was perfect. You know, came out a little cone head, all that stuff, and her hair stuck up straight for about six months. And then she lied to me when she was four, and I thought, the devil's been in you the whole time, just masqueraded as a pretty little kid. <laughs> so, so what we find out is, is that suffering produces perseverance. 
But you've got a garden full of weeds starting out. And our tendency is to sow into the flesh. So if suffering produces something, what is it? It's producing perseverance. And I realize that if suffering will produce perseverance, it'll kill the weed of quitting in my life. It'll kill that weed in my life, right? And so, so here's what we do. Listen, like I'm not that hard-nosed of a parent, even though it sounds like it up here. But here's what we do with our kids. Like they have a tough coach or a tough teacher. When they come home and the, the coach yelled at me, well, we'll find you another team. You just put fertilizer on the weed of quitting. Or they, or they go to school and, and, the, and the teacher gets down on them one day. I hope the teacher gets down on them every day. Like, but the teacher gets down on them and, oh, oh, you're better than that. That mean old teacher. Right, I'll go in and talk to them. My father-in-law's in here. He was a teacher for a long time. Let me tell you something. It didn't do any good to go talk to him if you're a parent. Because <laughs> he'd get down on you, just like he did the kid. Oh, now I see why they're a quitter. <laughs> I don't think he ever said that. but <sighs> No, we, we don't let them suffer through learning how to be a good student. Or learning how to be a good player no matter what coach you have. Because, you know, we all have the right to the best coach ever, right? It has nothing to do with your child not being athletic. (laughs) Man, I'm just jumping off the cliff at the 930. Now, here's the issue. So we never kill the weed of quitting in their lives. And we can't figure out when they're 28. And going through a difficulty while they're giving up so quick. Because suffering, Paul said, produces perseverance. Perseverance kills quitting. You can't get that if the sun shines every day. What, are you going to quit the best job of your life because it's Monday? No. No, the issue is the only way I persevere is because I realize that through suffering, through difficult times... That God is teaching me how not to quit. David wrote, 23rd Psalm, he writes, Even if I walk through the, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you're with, I'm not gonna quit. I'm not gonna give up because you're with me. You protect me. I'm not just gonna give up and roll out. Even, he said, I'm walking through it. You're teaching me how to persevere through this thing. And perseverance will kill the weeds of quitting. So what happens after perseverance? Perseverance, okay. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character. Character, man. Character is a simple definition of character. It's like what you do when nobody's looking, right? What you're doing, like eating boogers, right? What you do when nobody's looking, (laughs) I didn't want to name a sin there because everybody would get all uncomfortable. Um, But what you do when nobody's looking, right? See, see, we're supposed to be setting off the sin that so easily entangles us, the Bible says. But what happens is, is when we walk through difficult times, if we make excuses for our sin because the time is difficult. Oh, come on. 
Come on, I had to lie because everything was on the line. It's the season of my life. Everything's going, I ha- you know, I had to lie about it. I had to, if you were under the pressure I was under, you couldn't have said no to her either. If, if, you know, it was only a couple pills in the beginning, but I was under so much pressure. See, if we don't learn, if we don't learn through suffering what character looks like, if we don't set off this sin that so easily besets us, if we, if we keep sowing into the weed field, that what we, what we found out, Paul said, if you keep, if you keep sowing into the flesh, what are you going to reap? You're going to reap destruction. You're going to reap death. So if we keep sowing into the weeds, this is what we're going to get. But what, what the difficult times in our lives teach us is that through perseverance, we can have character. Perseverance kills the weeds of quitting. Character kills the weeds that so, this, the, the sin that so easily besets us, right? It kills envy, lust, and greed, and all those things. Why? Because I've got character now. Because I've been through it. I know I can trust God in the middle of it. I know I, I know I can be honest no matter what the consequence is. Weeds are hard to get rid of sometimes. So, perseverance produces character, character, hope. See, all of this comes out of suffering. Don't forget. All this comes out of that difficult season of your life. So, so hope. We, we have hope this morning. One of my goals here is always that when people walk in full of despair, when they meet you out in the parking lot, what do they, what do they see? They see hope. When, when, they, when they shake somebody's hand coming in the back door, what do, what do they experience? They're experiencing a little bit of hope. When the worship team comes up, what do they experience? They experience hope. When they take their kids back there, you notice how I got that in order, right? And the worst people, they take your kids back there. Um, especially when we're an hour less sleep. Take your kids back and, and, and experience hope back there. There's hope. And then when you hear the sermon, there's hope. Listen, it, it could be just as easy for me to stand up here and preach hellfire and brimstone and tell, tell all of you you're going to hell, but I'm pretty sure you may know that already. That might have been why you showed up here. Because you needed hope. Because in the difficult times of our lives, that's where, that's where hope begins to flourish, isn't it? Man, God, I know there's something else. And hope kills the weeds of despair. Hope will kill the weeds of despair. And so, so oftentimes in, in, in these seasons of, of, of suffering and, and difficulty, God is teaching us how to weed the garden. Listen. I'm teaching you how to persevere. I'm teaching you how to have character. I'm teaching you how to hope. And hope, hope kills the weeds of despair. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8, it says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. He's saying, listen, God's with you in the, in the most difficult times of your life. Listen, Moses is telling Joshua here, he, Moses is getting ready to die. And it's at the end, and there's all this unknown stuff. And so the, so the unbelievable leader of, of the children of Israel out of the uh, hands of the Egyptians into the edge of the promised land. And, and the Bible says that he's getting ready to die. And this is what he tells them. you got to have hope. God's going to be with you. You can't, you, can't be, you can't have despair right now. You can't be discouraged. you got to have hope. Through all this difficulty we've been through, God has been faithful. You have to have hope. He's teaching us how to have hope. So watch this. 
Remember I, I talked about how one person sees the opportunity, the other person complains about the circumstance. Remember that? There's a, there's a wonderful season around my house. Uh, it only happens for about a week, uh, maybe two weeks. Um, it happens every spring. I live in a great area, um, and I love where I live, and I love the, the land around me, and it's a bunch of farmland. And in the, in the wintertime, I can look out my back window and I can look out at a big field and, and, and you know, it gets kind of like that tan color. Everything's dead. It's not green anymore. It's all just like blah. Uh, but there'll be a moment in time in the spring where I'll come home and I'll look out at that field and it'll be dark chocolate brown. And I'll get out of my truck and I'll think, dear God, it's, it's planting season. <laughs> and I don't know if you, where you live that you, you know, when the spring comes, you just put your windows up, let in the fresh air. Some days I come to work and I'm like, do I still smell like that? It's pretty strong. Um, I think we had a kid with us one time that wasn't used to be living there, a, a young kid, and they opened up the door and they like gag reflex. Are they? I'm like, that's not us, darling. That's that's the farmer. You know what's amazing about fertilizer is this: is that fertilizer is something that somebody else doesn't want. And you take it and put it in your yard. Is it possible that the very things in our lives that we try to get out of, the very seasons in our lives that we are trying to escape, the seasons in our lives that are the most difficult ones we've ever faced, is it, is it possible that the most, the most trying times in our lives, God is actually weeding our garden, weeding the soil, and then he's actually putting fertilizer on it. You see, the thing that, the thing that strikes me is that one person sees the opportunity, the other person just complains about the situation. The one person sees what nobody else wants and puts it into a context that nobody else will place it and then is able to make a profit off of it later, right? And so what happens in our lives is we walk through these seasons and we go, God, get me out of this. I don't want to do this anymore. He's like, listen, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get those weeds of quitting out of you. I'm trying to get some character. I'm trying to get the weeds of sin out of you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get the weed of despair out of you. And I know you don't want this in your life. And I know you're not praying for this to continue. And I know that you would never sign up for this. But in order for me to get enough fertilizer in your, in your soil, I gotta, we gotta get some stuff that nobody wants to walk through, right? Cause listen, if you're at a farm just out in a pasture, you don't want to step in it. Amen? But if it's going in your garden, you say, man, pile it deep. Cause here's the thing about soil, it's just, you know, I mean, you could do a soil sample, take it out and do a test. You could, you could find all that technically what's technically wrong with your soil you could you could find out that it's low on this and high in that and all this stuff or you could just go get a truckload of cow manure 
and dump on it and till it in. Something that nobody else wants, something that's piling up in one person's life, another person will take it and till it into the soil. And it'll create a rich bed for them to sow in. Isn't that amazing? And so what happens is, I can make it through the couple weeks where it smells like death in my house. Because I know, my son just told me yesterday, they plant corn behind us sometimes. When they plant field corn behind us, it becomes like this um, natural barrier between me and the world. Because it grows up like six, seven feet tall. And so all around behind my house, it becomes like a privacy fence. Now, when they plant soybean, I can see all the people over there playing soccer. And they can see me out on my back deck in the morning when I don't want them to see me. <laughs> but, in the, but, but if they plant corn, man, it'll grow up and it'll become this beautiful tall hedge between me and everyone else. And the beautiful part about it is it's free. I didn't do anything. So when my thought process, when I smell the manure, come on, I'm getting ready to say something to you you need to write down. When I smell the manure, I know there's something good coming out of it. Look at your wife, try to convince her of that. You see, one person sees an opportunity, the other person just sees difficulty. One person sees a way to get ahead, the other person just sees falling more behind. But when I smell manure at my house, I know the season for growing is coming. And what I'm trying to tell you is, is that we've been making excuses for years, being in the difficult season, being a difficult season. And what I want to say to you is, if, the, if you're smelling the manure in your life, it means he's preparing the soil for growth. The issue is you got to plant something in it. Because the same fertilized soil left by itself will grow bull thistle. It'll, just, it'll grow whatever's in it. And so you have to be diligent to plant in what God has prepared. So you say, man, I'm walking through the toughest season of my life. Have you learned perseverance? I haven't given up yet. Have you learned character? I haven't left. I haven't. I'm I'm, I'm trusting God. If you learn hope, I believe he's a lifter in my head. I believe he's going to supply. Okay. It smells like manure now, but he's preparing your life for the harvest that is to come. So what happens is when all when I'm walking through all that stuff, I have to be putting seed down. That means a whole bunch of stuff. I have, to be, I have to be putting seed down in my marriage. Man, we're walking through it right now. Okay. Your marriage smells like manure. You better take some time to plant some seed. You can't ignore it. While the weeds are dead, take action. Don't let more weeds grow up. I know you walk through a difficult time. You better take action right now with that marriage. You better, you better learn how to love each other really quick before the weeds grow back up. If, you're, if your job at work smells like manure, get ready. God's trying to grow something in that. If your relationship with your family 
Smells like manure. Get ready. He's trying to grow something in it. But you have to remember this. We're so impatient, aren't we? I would love if I smelled manure and then there was a seven foot tall cornfield the next day. That'd be awesome. Just walk out and be like, well, it smells like manure again. There's the corn. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's not the way it works, does it? I don't get to take full advantage of the cornfield till about August. That's when I know it's about private in my backyard, about August time, when I can't see all them kids running around. It takes a little while. And what we do is we get impatient, don't we? We get impatient because, because what happens is we smell manure, we plant the seed, and then we want it like that, right? Oh, man, gardens don't work that way, do they? We just want it right now. We want it right now. Come on, Lord, I planted the seed. Where's my return? Planted the seed. Where's my return? I planted the seed. Where's the harvest? I planted the seed. Where's the harvest? Can I convince you that you're planting a seed that may be harvested next year? Maybe harvested six months from now. Maybe harvested two years from now. We, we are going to witness next week a harvest that, that we planted two and a half. I think it was three years ago almost. But here's what we'll do. We'll, plant, we'll smell manure and we'll plant and then we'll give up because it's taking too long. All right, if the band would come up, I'm going to close this thing out. Watch this. One of the things that you have to remember is this. That in the difficult times of life, you're sowing seed and you're going to reap it in the future. Okay? Now, God said he would be faithful in the season that you're in. But what he's teaching you is the faith that you'll need for the season you're going to. I'm going to say that again. In the difficult season of your life right now, you smell manure, right? It's hit the fan and it's spread it everywhere. You know how that goes, right? So, so you smell it now. So you think, okay, Pastor Chris told me in the difficult seasons, I need to sow seeds of faith. I need to get in this thing. I need to plant. The issue is, is that the faith I have now is preparing me for the season I'm going into. But I want it all right now. And I can't understand why there's a delay. Well, there's a delay in growing anything, right? So watch this. You heard the story of, of Joseph, the coat of many colors. God favored him, gave him dreams, all these things. His brothers sell him into slavery. Why don't you stand up? We're going to close this out. His brothers sell him into slavery. He doesn't quit. Perseverance is built into his life. Character is built into his life. Hope is built into his life. He goes to Potiphar's house. And he's lied about in Potiphar's house. Guess what he does? He doesn't quit. Perseverance, character, hope. God's tilling the ground, killing the weeds. Doesn't quit in Potiphar's house. Gets lied about in Potiphar's house, goes to the jail. Goes to the jail, gets forgotten about, doesn't quit. God's tilling the soil, plant, putting the fertilizer down. Other people don't want this stuff, but it needs to be in Joseph's life because there's going to be a great harvest that's going to take place. But I need you to explain something. I need to explain something to you that the harvest didn't happen immediately. Even, even after he interpreted Pharaoh's dream, it became second in charge of all of Egypt. You think, man, he's made it. Now watch this. We miss this sometimes in this story. Because Paul said, Paul said, if you, 
if you sow into the flesh, you're going to reap what the flesh has, destruction. But if you sow into the spirit, you're going to reap the spirit, right? And, and the measure you sow with is a measure that you receive. So watch this. Joseph sowed his whole life through difficulty. His whole life through difficulty becomes second in charge of Egypt. He, he, he interprets a dream for Pharaoh. Okay, Pharaoh, here's what the dream means. You're going to have seven years of plenty, seven years of famine, seven years of plenty, seven, that's what it means. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. So what you need to do is you need to store up in those seven years because the seven bad years are going to be bad. And we're going to run out if you don't store up so you can store up. Now, here's what happens in our lives. We think because of the seven bad years that he just breathed, seven good years, he just breathed through the seven bad years. Like, ah, oh, it didn't matter. Can I ask you a question? When's the last time you had seven good years and then when you at the end, then you had then you had some bad years that you ever went. Oh, this is easy. I just had seven good years. The last three years have been terrible, but no problem. That never happens, does it? We have seven good years and six months of bad. We're like, we're all gonna die. I don't know what you're doing back there, God, but I don't know. This is six months of terrible. Joseph had seven years of famine to deal with. Seven years of famine. But the faith that was planted all those years, till the ground, put the manure in, till the ground, put the manure in, kill the weeds, put the manure in, kill the weeds, put the manure in. All that preparation, guess what? The seven bad years, he never gave up. I'm going to tell you, about six and a half years into the seven bad years, you got to be thinking to yourself, Lord, I hope I had this right. I hope I had this right. I don't know. I don't know. It's been six and a half years. I, you had seven good years and you blessed us with it. And I appreciate it. We stored it up. And, and it looks like we're going to be fine. But I, man, I, I hope I'm right right now. But he said the same thing to Joseph. And he said that he'd be with Joseph. And then at the end of Joseph's life, after, the, after all this happened, he said this. I realize what the enemy meant for evil, God meant it for good. What everybody else would have thrown away, God put fer- used it for fertilizer in my life. And he sowed into it. And people were saved. So I want to encourage you this morning. I don't know what you're walking through. I can't even imagine how difficult it is. But this is a season of sowing in your life. It's a season of to sow into the ground God's prepared. It's a season to sow into good fertile soil. It's a season that he's killing the weeds. When the weeds are done, when the weeds are dead, you put seed down. You take advantage of what he's doing in your life. You see the opportunity no matter how difficult the circumstance is. And God honors that every time. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord. God, you're good to us. We pray, God, today that we'd be able to recognize the season we're in where even if it has a stink to it, Lord, we pray that we'd be able to be confident to know that that we're sowing in faith right now, Lord, that we're sowing for the future, that we're sowing for what you're bringing us to, Lord. We're sowing for, Lord, what you're going to do through us in the future, God. We pray right now that you'd prepare the soil in our lives to do everything you've called us to do every time. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, church, give him honor and glory. Lift his name.